The book of Esther this morning, we're going to be in Esther chapter number 4. Esther chapter number 4, we'll begin reading verse number 10 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, Esther chapter number 4, I want to encourage you to be in the service uh, once again uh, this evening as I have uh, prayed and prepared for the day. There's two messages that the Lord has put on my heart uh, towards the end of the week and uh, it is going to help us uh, look at things that are going on in our world today and help us understand uh, some things that Christians need to be reminded of. And so this morning will not be your typical uh, Sunday morning message as they get labeled, uh, but certainly I believe it will be a help to us. Um, the, the, the Bible tells us that uh, there, uh, we've been speaking in Sunday school of, of the church and how uh, God gives uh, gifts to the church, and he describes uh, one gift being the pastor. See, I'm God's gift, and so I want to remind you of that. Um, but he gives the pastor uh, the, the uh, responsibility of preaching and teaching, and he gives the pastor different gifts. And I believe the Lord has uh, given me a, a discernment, and some, you know, the Bible calls it prophecy. It doesn't mean it's a word of knowledge. It doesn't mean there's a prophet outside of what God has said. Uh, but God gives discernment to take things that are taking place in the world today and taking Scripture and applying them. And there's things that, if you look at it through the lens of the Word of God, you can tell how it's going to end up. You can tell where people are going to end up. And so I'm going to take two messages today, and I'm going to uh, preach uh, on these two, uh, to preach from the book of Esther this morning. Uh, tonight, I'll tell you what I'm preaching on. I'm preaching on a reprobate culture. That's what I'm preaching on tonight. And uh, there's some things, I'll make some very strong statements about some things tonight uh, that I think need to be said so that we can protect ourselves. And if you're wondering what those are, you'll just have to be here tonight to see. Esther chapter number 4. Beginning with verse number 10. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants, all the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live, but I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. They told to Mordecai uh, Esther's words, and Mordecai commanded uh, to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and from, a, from their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. So I was thinking about some things and pondering some things this week and praying about what the Lord would have me uh, preach today. I uh, felt impressed to go to the book of Esther. And when I went to the book of Esther, I said, okay, Lord, I'm in Esther. What, what, what message do you have for your people? And I looked at this passage of Scripture and just looked at some things that I had underlined uh, through my own personal reading and the Spirit of God said, there it is. 
And so this morning, uh, I'm going to bring a message from some of my personal study notes, but I've given this message a title this morning. If I'm going to perish, I will choose how I perish. If I'm going to perish, I will choose how I perish. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you'd use your word this morning to speak to us. And Father, these well-known words of Esther or Mordecai about Esther, uh, perhaps you're here for the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, We can look back and know that Esther was in the kingdom for such a time as that. And Father, this is true of us today. You've placed us here in this time. Uh, There's no accidents before me. There's no uh, surprises before me. Uh, Father, I pray that this morning as uh, the message is preached that you would use it Accomplish your purpose today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Esther is a fascinating book of the Bible. So many wonderful uh, truths that we need to be reminded of. We look at verse number 16, which there's been many sermons preached uh, from verse number 16. Many well-known sermons, famous sermons, if you can use that word. Look at those last words, and if I perish, I perish. Esther, and we'll recap it in just a moment, was given a task, and this was her response. And uh, the the circumstances around our text this morning, we have a man named Haman uh, who was in the kingdom, and uh, Scripture reveals to us Haman's wicked conspiracy. Haman worked to pass uh, legislation in secret that targeted the Jews. And what this legislation said that at a a certain time appointed that the Jews, you could kill the Jews and you could take all that they had and make it yours. You could take their property and ultimately the legislation was to eliminate and, and destroy the Jews. This was done because Haman had a hatred not just of the Jews but of Mordecai who was Esther's cousin especially. Esther was the queen in Persia. She was a Jew, and only she and her cousin Mordecai knew this. God had placed her through a course of events as the queen. Esther was an orphan, and her cousin raised her and got her to this place, and God certainly put her in this position. Mordecai comes to her, and he pleads with her to use her position as the queen to try and intercede, to try and do something. It's a fascinating passage of Scripture, a back and forth, knowing the relationship of Mordecai and Esther, knowing that Esther was the queen in a pagan kingdom, in this Persian kingdom. She had not revealed that she was a Hebrew. She had not revealed uh, that, that, that aspect of her. And now this legislation has been passed that seemingly could not be overturned, but Mordecai comes to her and pleads with her to intercede with the king. That brings us to our text this morning. In verse number 11, I remind you as she reminds Mordecai that nobody can come into the king unless he bids them. If anybody comes into his presence, the punishment for that, and they have not been Uh, bid for them to come. The punishment for that is death. She laments the fact that she has not been called for 30 days. The only exception to that is if that individual finds favor and the king raises his scepter. And so she is concerned about 
what Mordecai is asking her to do. If I enter into the presence of the king, I know I'm the queen. But the king is already dispatched of one queen. That's how Esther became queen. If I enter into his presence and I don't find favor, it's my life that could be taken. Mordecai and Esther go back and forth and Esther was faced with a real dilemma. She was faced with the fact that if she does nothing, if it is discovered that she is a Hebrew, she will perish. But she's also faced with the fact that if I enter into the king's presence and he does, I do not find favor, I can also perish. Ultimately, she decides to take the risk that could make the difference. As Christians, we need to realize that we have been put in the same position. We have an adversary who is real and is seeking to destroy us. Yes, in our nation, there are things that have been put in place in secrecy that whether we like to face it or not is, has targeted God, targeted the Bible, targeted Christians, targeted decency, targeted marriage, targeted the home, targeted morality, and has set the forces that exist against it to destroy it. It is a reality that we are forced to deal with from time to time, that there are real forces alive, that if they had the ability and they could get away with it, they literally would burn this church to the ground. They would stamp out the name of God. These Christians who are the problem in our nation. Now make no mistake about it, we have a real adversary, and just as real as God is, Satan is just as real. And we come to, ultimately, Esther's decision. She says, if I am going to perish, I will choose how I perish. I could perish by doing nothing. And if it is discovered that I am a Hebrew, then according to the law that has been passed, I will lose my life. I could perish if I enter into the presence of the king and I do not find favor. But if I perish, I'm going to choose which way I perish. If I perish, I'm going to do everything that is in my power to make a difference. Now this morning, you and I as Christians, we need to follow the lead of Esther. Quite frankly, and I'll get to this in the message this morning, this is not time for Christians to sit back and be apathetic. Christians to sit back and do nothing. And, and, and I'm not talking about just fulfilling our responsibility as a citizen in voting. You should do that. But there's so much more at play here that we are not talking about that I want to speak on this morning. From the passage of, of, of Esther, we see in Esther chapter 4, I want to make some observations. And my goal today is for you and I to be aware, you and I to be reminded of the seriousness of the hour. But I remind us this morning, it's always been a serious hour. It's always been necessary for God's people to be God's people, God's people to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and 
stand as he would have us take a stand. I want to make some observations, and as I get through the observations this morning, right here in this passage is something that needs to take place that will make a difference. Now, if you don't know the end of the story, I'll give you the end of the story. Esther goes into the king. She finds favor with the king. She finds favor with the king and tells, in a nutshell, tells the king what has taken place. And he says, I cannot change the law of the Medes and the Persians. I cannot change it. But he adds, has added to the law that had been established that the Hebrew could defend himself. The Hebrew could fight those that would come to them and take from them. And God gave a great victory to his people and preserved his people. But I want to focus, and I got five observations I want to make from Esther chapter 4, our text this morning. Observation number one is found in verse number 13, and it is this. No one goes unaffected. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Mordecai is reminding her, just because you're the queen, don't think you're going to escape it. Don't think it's not going to affect you. Don't think that there's not a price that you are going to have to pay. And friend, you and I, we need to face the reality that in an, in an evil world, in a world where the prince and the power of the air runs to and fro, we need to be reminded you and I cannot live without being affected uh, by what is taking place to ultimately uh, fight God, to, to oppose the things of God. And I point that out so that we are on guard. Christian parent, it is no time for you to be naive about what's going on in this world. It's not time for you to be naive about the things that, that are available and the things that, that, that the way the devil has an access into your home. It's not time to be naive. It's not time to be apathetic about what is taking place in the world we are in today, you will be affected. Sometimes, perhaps, maybe you fall in the category this morning, well, my children are grown and my children, it don't affect them. You're, you will still be affected. Well, I've already, I'm at a place in life, I've fought my battles and, and I've done my best for the Lord. You will be affected. If the queen will be affected, how many compromises have taken place in our nation over the last 30, 40 years that we thought, well, it's not going to affect me. It's affected all of us. Observation number two is this. It's found in verse number 14. Observation number two is we have the ability to make a difference. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Mordecai reminds Esther, deliverance is coming from God. But you have a chance to make a difference. Aren't you thankful for God's watch care and God's provision? With all, and I, the messages the Lord's put on my heart this morning and tonight, with all that I'm going to say and, and all the observations I'm going to make this morning, make no mistake about it, God takes care of his people. God, God's church is not in jeopardy because it's God's church. Now, there may be some things that we have to go through, but God's going to take care of his church. But God gives us a, an opportunity to make a difference. Christian today, you can make a difference. 
Mordecai saying to Esther, the queen, if you, if you, for thou altogether hold that peace at this time, he's saying, you have an opportunity, you can say something, you can do something that can make the, make the difference. God's going to deliver his people, but God can use you to make the difference. God can use you to be the deliverance for his people. Let me say something to every parent in the room. It's not time for you not to speak up. It's not time for you to be, be the one that's willing to stand between this world and your child that God has given you. You can make the difference. Christian, you can make the difference. This church can make a difference. Well, pastor, what's the use? God put us here. We can make a difference. I remind you the title of the message. If I'm going to perish, I'm going to choose how I'm going to perish. I want to try making a difference. I'm going to use my life to make a difference. I said, well, well, if we, if we take these stands, everybody in the world is going to hate us. They hate us anyway because they hate God. I might as well use my life to make a difference. I'm not looking for enemies. I'm not looking for opposition. God knows if you know me, I'm very easy to get along with. To know me is to love me. I'm looking for some feedback, and I'm getting none of it this morning. But I want to make a difference. And if God allows me to make a difference, I want to make a difference. We have an opportunity to make the difference. I think the challenge is, and I don't know, say, Pastor, I've been waiting on you to preach this. Now, I'm waiting for you to do this so that we can get a Republican back in the White House. That's not the kind of difference I'm talking about. I would be okay with that. But that's, I'm talking about a greater difference than that. I have an, I have an opportunity to make a difference in a life. Parents, you know this. Nobody has the opportunity to make a difference in your child like you do. As a parent, as a pastor, my greatest difference will not be how I affected any election. My greatest difference will be what I use my life to make a difference in the life of the people God has placed here. You can make a difference in the life of a complete stranger, but you can make a difference. What a, what an what an opportunity! We live in these days, but what an opportunity. I don't look at the days we live in with discouragement, with despair. I look at them as an opportunity. God has placed me where I can make a difference. Well, you think you can change the world? Well, I'm going to use my life trying. I may not, but I can make a difference in the life of one person. I can make a difference in the life of my own family. I can make a difference in the life of somebody. We have the opportunity to make a difference. And that's what Mordecai reminds Esther. It's not time for you to keep your mouth closed. You can make a difference. Christian, it's not time for us to throw our hands up in despair. We can make a difference. Observation number three is a simple statement. Your house is at risk. Verse 14 again. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou... And thy father's house shall be destroyed. Mordecai reminds her that God is going to preserve his people. If you decide not to say anything, deliverance is coming. Because God's promises supersede what man does. But your house is at risk. Esther, God will send deliverance and he'll preserve his people because God had promised that he would make them a great nation. He had promised 
that the Messiah would come. He had promised all those things, and when it didn't seem like if they can destroy all of us as the Jews and Hebrews, then how is that going to take place? God will send deliverance from somewhere, but Esther, you'll perish. Your father's house will be destroyed. And this morning, I believe God would have me to remind all of us that our house is at risk. God will prevail, but if we don't do everything that we can do, our house is at risk. Parents, Satan is after your child. God sent me here this morning as your pastor to remind you of what you know, but to be reminded he's after your child. He's after your marriage. He's after your home. Now, you and I must be reminded that we have an opportunity because our house is at risk and say, well, I just don't want to fight that battle, Pastor, and I just don't want to. How sad is it for churches to be literally littered all over this country because there was a generation that said, well, that, that's not a battle we want to fight. That's not a stand we're willing to take, and, and, and we, we don't want to put ourselves out there. Mordecai reminded Esther, hey, God's going to deliver his people, and, and by the way, God's going to do his work. God's got the days coming when that trumpet is going to sound. He's, he's calling his church home. But just, I wonder if our house is going to be destroyed because we don't do anything. I don't know if America can have revival. I know that God wants to send revival. But I know this, that God's going to do what God's going to do. And if we sit by and do nothing, our house is at risk. Well, Satan is after your child. I'm going to say so much more about this. The public school systems are, are as corrupt as they could possibly be. When you have to pass legislation in a state that says you can't try and tell a four-year-old girl that he's a boy, when you have to pass a law about that, I'll say more about this this evening as well, but there's leaked video this week of Disney executives who if they had the opportunity would abuse your child. I know what I just said. God's church needs to realize, God's people, our, but I, I take my kids to Sunday school. We have an adversary, the devil, who is seeking whom he may devour. He, he wants your child, and young people, you need to be aware that the, the devil is real and he wants to destroy your life and destroy your future. A young adult, you need to understand that he'll put whatever he can in front of you to destroy your own future. And we as a church need to be reminded, this is, the, in my opinion, and it's the one that matters right now, this is the greatest church on God's planet. These are, you are, we are a wonderful church family and God has done so much here. But our house is at risk. So, Pastor, why are you preaching like this? I don't have grandchildren, but I think one day I will. And while I don't have any yet, they're at risk and they're not even born yet. You, there are many young couples here. You have future children God's going to give you and they're at risk. As we meet here, there are young children meeting in their services this morning. They, they are at risk while they are being protected as, 
as the best as a mom and dad can, the best as a church can, we need to realize that it is important that we don't go, why, why am I preaching this? We don't need to go through the motions. We need the power of God. We need the protection of God. We need Him involved in everything we do because the adversary is real. I see number four, and then I'll get to number five. The fourth observation I make is that Esther needed to fulfill her purpose and responsibility. Responsibility is a word that a lot of people don't like today or they run from. Parents have a responsibility. Let me say that again. You have a responsibility. This isn't a newsflash to anybody, but you have a responsibility to to provide a roof over, over your family's head and provide for your family. And mom and dad, you have a responsibility for there to be a home that yeah, we're, we're flawed, and we, we, we don't have all the wisdom that we need, but at least there's love there, and, and, and there, there, there's, it's, it's a home that would bring honor and glory to God, and, and it's a home. we have a responsibility, and mom and dad, if nobody else will say it to you, I'll say to you, you have a responsibility to make sure your kids are in church each and every week. You have a responsibility for your home to be centered on the Word of God. As a pastor, I have a responsibility to preach as I'm preaching this morning. I have a responsibility not to buckle or fold to the pressures that come. You say, pastors, do pressures come? Oh, you would be surprised the pressures that come. Notice verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. We've already looked at this. It's coming. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come? To the kingdom from such a time as this. What Mordecai is saying is, Esther, do you think you're the queen just because you're lucky? You think you became the queen just because you hit the lottery? You think you're the queen just because you were smarter and just because you were prettier? Do you think you, did you really think that's why you're the queen? No, you're the queen because God puts you here because he knew the evil actions of men like Haman. And he puts somebody in a position to do something to help his people be, to, to thwart the evil that has been done. And Mordecai is saying to Esther, fulfill the purpose that God has given you. Fulfill the responsibility. Your responsibility isn't the responsibility of a queen. It's the responsibility of a child of God. Your responsibility is one who God has put in a place to make the difference in, 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 the, in the battle versus good versus evil. Now let me make a very quick and simple application to you and I. God has put us here. When he has put us here, he knew the, 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 the deeds of evil men. He knew the world that we would live in. And he's given us an opportunity to fulfill our purpose and our responsibility. Now God's people has a command and a challenge to fulfill the purpose and responsibility that God has given them. We must do what it is required of us to do. We gather today because we have a fulfillment. We have a responsibility to fulfill. Mom and dad, you know you have a responsibility. Fulfill it. You have a, you have a purpose. Fulfill it. 
Sunday school teacher, you didn't just put here to be put here just to fill a spot on Sunday morning. God may have put you here to stand literally between the living and the dead as you teach the word of God. You teach the gospel. You teach that there's a purpose. God may have put you here to pray for those young, young children so that God would do something in their heart and do something in their life. It is, it is your responsibility. It is our responsibility. Fulfill the purpose that God has given us. We must fulfill our purpose and our responsibility. It's a responsibility, Christian, to be in church. It's a responsibility to be part of the church. It's a responsibility to do right. It's a responsibility to stand for right. It's a responsibility to proclaim and propagate the gospel. It's a responsibility to, be a, to live a holy life. See, we want, we want a political revolution because we're not willing to do, fulfill our responsibilities as spiritual people. He's saying to her, you must, for, for such a time as this, I wish we'd realize and be reminded this morning, it's not an accident that we're here. It's not an accident that you stumbled into this group of people. When God designed this world, He knew there would be a day he knew his son would pay for the sins of mankind. He knew that Jesus, Jesus would found the church. He knew that this group of he wanted this group, think about this. He wanted this group of people together in Jacksonville, Florida. Some of you can't even explain how you got to Jacksonville, much less part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Let me help you with that. God put you here. God placed you here. Because there is something that God wants to do. God is always preserved by the minority. God is always preserved by the salt. God is always preserved that same way. And God put us here to fulfill our responsibility. The church is supposed to be the lighthouse. The church is what is supposed to be the rudder on society, not the other way around. We need to fulfill our responsibility. Christian, let me remind you as your pastor this morning... It is your responsibility to fill that seat you're in every time the church doors are open. Now, it may move from one side to the other, but you get the point. We must be, I wish things would change. Be a part of what God's doing. Christian, it's your responsibility to give to the work of the church. And it's easy for me to say that because this is a church that gives beyond. It's our what are you doing when you give? You fulfill your responsibility. We give the gospel. What are we doing? We're fulfilling our responsibility. We're not going to participate in the things of this world that are, that are wicked and evil and, and go against the things of God. What are we doing? We're just fulfilling our responsibility. Young people, as you're reared in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, it's your responsibility, and I may get some pushback on this, but I, I'm right. It's your responsibility to live the way you've been reared. It's your responsibility to serve the Lord with the opportunities that God has given you. By the way, you're not making a sacrifice. You're fulfilling your purpose and responsibility. God puts you here for such a time as this. I used the illustration this morning of, at the close of Sunday school of Ed Kimball, that Sunday school teacher winning D.L. Moody. And I wish I could have something like that where I would win D.L. Moody. Well, let me tell you, Ed Kimball didn't know D.L. Moody was D.L. Moody. He was a teenage boy who was living with an older brother who he believed needed the gospel. 
I don't know what all else Ed Kimball ever did. But it's possible God put Ed Kimball on this planet for one reason. To win a teenage boy to Christ. To see him grow in his new Christian faith. So that he could shake two continents for God. What I'm saying this morning is, Mordecai said, Esther, you're not queen because you got lucky. God put you in that place to make a difference. You're not here today because you just stumbled in here. God put you here to make a difference. God gave you the opportunities to make a difference. And then I give number five and I'm through. I make these observations, and I think they're easily applicable to us today. Number five, I want to point out what I believe is the key outside of Esther being willing to perish, to what made the difference in the preservation of God's people. Statement number five is this, change is needed to get God's attention. Esther, verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther sends word back to Mordecai and says, well, Mordecai, if I'm going to perish, I'm going to choose how. I'd rather perish trying to do what I can do to make a difference as opposed to perishing at the hands of the evil before me. But what she gives, she gives an instruction that is sorely missing from God's people today. We see it right there in verse number 16. She says, I'm going to go into the king. And it may be over just like that. But before I go, you get all the Jews that are at Shushan. I'm going to get all of my maidens together. And for three days, we're going to fast and pray. For three days, we're going to beg and beseech God to intercede. For three days, we're, we're putting everything aside and, because we realize what is at stake. We realize this is our homes, this is our future, this is... Yes, Mordecai, I realize the responsibility that God has placed on me, and if I perish, I perish. But before I go into the king, we must do something to get God's attention. What was going to be the difference when she entered into the king for him to, that king to raise his scepter? God was the difference. What would be the difference to, as Esther 
and you'd have to take time to read how the whole story plays out and Esther puts things in place with the help of God to reveal the evil that has been done and for there to be something that says, oh, now the Jews can in essence defend themselves. And isn't it amazing that when that day came, no Jew lost anything. Every Hebrew was able to not just defend himself, but to win a great victory that day. By the way, that could not have been won otherwise until they were put into this situation. What was, the, 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 what was going to make the difference? It was God that was going to make the difference. And by the way, Christian, it is God that will still make the difference. It is God, and we say it, and we say it, as, we say it as little taglines, and we say it, and we say amen to it, and we should say it, that it's not, it's, it's not Republicans, it's righteousness, it's not, it's not political, but it's spiritual. We say all that, and we believe it. But are we willing to make a change that's going to get God's attention? Well, we live in a day when we as God's people, and I'm being very general all across this nation, we say, we need God, but yet we can't even get Christians to be faithful to the church house. We can't even get Christians to be faithful to, to give to the things of God. We can't even be, have Christians be faithful to give up things. We can't even cut Hollywood out of certain areas of our life, but yet we want God to do a, do a work in our midst. It doesn't work that way, friend. Change is needed to get God's attention. Say, Pastor, are you calling for us to fast and pray? I'm always calling us for the fast and pray. Before we get there, maybe we should just be faithful to church. See, it's easy to tweet against a politician. Have your life back that up. Change is needed. Say, Pastor, I think... We need to do this and this and this. And you may be right. But before we try and make that difference, how much fasting and praying are we doing? I think it still gets God's attention. I hope and tonight, if you'll come, I'll, I'll make you aware of some things that you may not be aware of. You probably are. There's some things that we ought to be outraged at. So what are we... Well, let's be faithful to the things that we're supposed... Why can't... Let's get our country back. Well, let's be faithful to God. Are we willing to make the change that is necessary? Mordecai, tell all the Jews at Shushan, for three days, fast. For three days, we're going to beseech heaven. For three days, our focus is on getting God's attention. Friend, we live in a day, we know the, pro the problem is. We know what's wrong. But it's this preacher's opinion that we're not, as God's people, we're just not willing to do what is necessary. Hey, there's, a, there's a new ridiculous headline out every day. And when I say that the devil is after your children, there's many amens this morning. How much fasting have you been doing about it? 
How much praying have you been doing about it? How much weeping have you been doing about it? Friend, if we don't make a change, our house is in trouble. I know we live in Florida with the governor. And through all this ridiculousness that this country has been through the last couple of years, I, I, I thank God for our governor. But it will affect us still in Florida. It's going to affect us. Pastor, what? I came to church encouraged and you discouraged me. Oh, you're missing the point. The point is, as bad as it seems, I think we can do something about it. I think we can make change. I think God can intercede in ways and places that we can't even fathom at this point. So my close to this message, I don't really know how to have an invitation to this message, other than, are we willing to make a change? To make a difference? I think I've given us the recipe. It's God. I want my nation back. Are you willing to fast and pray for it? Are you willing to cut some things out of your schedule so that you can give more time to God? I'm not even talking about wrong things. But if the hour is a crisis hour and it calls for us to take action, we must be willing to do whatever is necessary to get God's attention. God gave a great victory. But you had somebody like Esther who realized, I wish some of you young adults and young couples would be, maybe you do realize it, but I, I want to remind you as your pastor this morning, God put you here to do something. And that's true of all of us. You think, well, I don't know how in the world I got here. No, God brought you here. Whether we like it or not, we're stuck with one another. I think we can make a difference. My desire is to make a difference. Father, help us.